welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A. R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me tonight, Dan Galinsky, and making his Cavalier Central debut, Mac Perry. Mac, how are we doing, man? What's up? Glad to have you on. Thanks, man. I'm very, very glad for the opportunity. Thank you guys both for allowing me to join. Man, I'm, I'm feeling good. You know, this is a every season has its ups and downs, but, uh, you know, it's just good to be able to watch basketball again after, you know, what's happened, you know, you know, no doubt. even if it's a 10 game Cavs losing streak, it's better than no basketball at all. Yes, sir. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Dan, how are you this evening? Uh, I've been excellent, man. I actually hooped today for the first time in a while. Um, I, I felt really out of shape and, I was definitely looking a little Ante Zizic-like with my lack of quickness right now, but um, had a little small ball, like, five action, so it was set some solid off-ball screens. So. Well, well, if I had uh, known ahead of time that you were going to play today, Dan, I could have I mailed you the Ante jersey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Still, but, can't, um, still can't believe you, you per- willingly purchased that. Okay, but. before we get into the episode, Mac, you have... And Ante's is it's like legitimate, nice, like NBA official jersey in front of you. It's Ante's is it's, but it's $28. An authentic jersey. Do you buy it or not? Hell yeah, I buy it. <laughs> exactly. Thank yeah, you. It's $28, you. man. It's it's authentic. You have to go with it. Yeah. I bought it off the Cavs website. It was like marked down, like, I, I don't even know how much, but uh, exactly. Like, you got, like, I've, I've received a lot of flack on this podcast for, for not. Or for you just added, you add it to the collection, man. You add it to yeah, the collection. Exactly. Exactly. Well, he, it's right next back, to back when he got it, he was saying prefacing it by saying it's it's one of those jerseys that like a like a Chris Mim that you maybe would randomly see somebody <laughs> exactly, at a bar like, and it's like fifteen years later, 
after the fact, and it's like, oh, wow, Ante Zidic, wow. I don't know about that, but uh, you, you, it's definitely <laughs> one that you would like to add to your collection at that price. <laughs> exactly. I, and I will say, if I feel the need to wear that to a Cavs, or to a Cavs game in 15 years, I think it'll be unique. I think I will be the only person there wearing an Ante Zidic jersey, so I'm happy with it. Yeah. But anyway, we'll get into the episode here, Mac. Um, I just got to get some of your thoughts on this season. Obviously, this is your first time on. Uh, it's been a different year for all teams, especially, you know, the Cavaliers here. Uh, lots of ups and downs. But what are just some of your general thoughts on this season? Are you happy with where the Cavs are at right now? Yeah, I mean, we, we just recently broke, what, the three-year 19, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> curse, if you want to call it that. So, you know, it's a there's a success right there, right? So, you know, locked in where we are right now in every building stage and – you're looking for things to, you know, be optimistic about. That's one, certainly. And, you know, next down the line is the development of the younger players. You know, Cleveland being the small market team that it is, you know, we, we knew that this is going to take a while. This is going to be something that this process was going to take an extended period of time compared to some of the more uh, larger markets that can, you know, buy people and, have the cachet and the, the the name behind the franchise to be able to lure some of these top guys. So development, you know, is is one of the key things about this season. I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing out of almost everybody up and down the roster, with the exception of a few players. But uh, <clears throat> right on <laughs> the nose, man. Right on the nose, and. You know, I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Darius Garland. You know, the uh, the the big knock on him coming into this season was that you know he, he kind of looked timid, you know, in year one. And I know a lot of that had to do with the fact that you know he barely played in college. What was it five games? Something five, like that. Yeah, five games. Barely had anything. Barely any experience at all. And you know, he had a up and down last uh, season last year, just based upon the you know the injuries. And whatnot, and then the shutdown. So a lot of these guys didn't get a chance to really develop the way that you know that we would have hoped. So I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Darius Garland. You know, he's been very aggressive as of late, and you know, I've been been tweeting a lot about this. You know, an aggressive Darius Garland is definitely a productive one, and people should really be on the lookout for you know for his aggressiveness. Cavaliers definitely play a lot better when he does play like that. Uh, Colin Sexton. I mean, how can you not feel good about the direction that he's headed in? And Colin Sexton has managed to increase his point production, uh, three to four points. I don't have the exact stat in front of me right now, but you know, three to four points since he's been in the league every season. So that's another bright spot. So all in all, man, player development. And we knew that was going to be the name of the game this season and Cleveland, you know, we've been lucky enough to, jump into some pretty savvy deals, you know, in the Jared Allen and Torn Prince acquisition. And and now, man, Isaiah Hardenstein, I don't know how uh, Cleveland continues to do this. And I know Kobe Altman has taken a lot of flack uh, from from some fans, some Cleveland fans and, you know, other fans around the league. I don't get it because, you know, I think he's done the best job that you could really ask for at this point, you know, in terms of draft positioning where they've been at the last few seasons, um, you know, drafting Colin, 
you know, in his first season at the helm, drafting Darius, you know, and then grabbing a Coro. And we, we just knew that development was going to be the name of the game this season. I'm happy that, you know, we have a shot to possibly make the playing game. But to be honest with you guys, you know, I'm not so sure I would be uh, upset. Cavaliers miss out on the playoffs because th- this this draft is, is going to be something. Oh, yeah. We definitely have some names in the draft. Uh, looking at it, we had mentioned, you know, some of the moves they made. Obviously, Jared Allen was a huge one. Tarian Prince has had his ups and downs himself this season, but he's on a hot streak right now. Isaiah Hartenstein was a terrific pickup and just kind of along the lines of, you know, moves along the edges, even getting guys like Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, two guys who look like they will be a part of the rotation, especially now that both of them are locked up long term for years to come. Uh, What did you think on the Lamar extension that just happened recently, Mac? Um, You know, have him for this season now, guaranteed money, uh, non-guaranteed seasons for the next three years, I believe, a team option on the last. What did you think of that move? I thought it was pretty savvy. I mean, you know, I just got done saying, you know, I think that Kobe has done an excellent job, you know, with what he's been given. What is it, 1.5 this season? I think 1.8 next year, 1.9 during the 22-2023 season. Um, you keep him around. That's the big thing. And I think the biggest thing with Lamar Stevens at this point is developing a some semblance of a three point shot. Um, he, sometimes he can seem unplayable. I mean, that's just my opinion, just because of the, the guys that you have on the roster, um, you know, who can do that. I like the energy that Stevens provides. Um, so from that aspect, I think it was an excellent, extension and removing him from that two-way deal you know takes him off the market so other teams can't really get him uh but i will say this with as many players as we have on the wing and at that you know at that uh power forward position i just don't know how many minutes lamar is going to be able to get from night to night and i think that's kind of what we've been seeing you know his minutes have been sporadic and don't get me wrong I, I am excited that they decided to keep him around for the long haul because he fits the rebuild, but I just don't know where you're going to fit him in in terms of minutes, especially with the team returning to full strength. And depending upon if they draft a wing. Uh, so, you know, I guess those that's kind of my thoughts right now. I'm If he can develop a three-point shot, I think he's a keeper. If not, I think he's always going to remain kind of like a fringe rotation player. Care to chime in on that, Dan? Yeah, I think Mac really hit hit it on the head there. Um, just really hesitant to shoot from deep. Um, we we've seen a bit uh, where he is a, a tad more comfortable in the corner, even there. Though it's it's kind of generally going to be a pump fake and then kind of uh, go for like a baseline drive. But um, I, I think it's it's yeah. Mac kind of touched on how. There's also the Cavs could draft a wing very well could it would seem again. Um, I, I think the key with him is uh, I think it's the small ball four element. I think that's um, just that build um, his the the key seller for him is generally the um, positional versatility on defense. I think that's kind of the differentiator for him in spurts, um, but also factoring in Dylan Windler in there, too. Um, if and when he is back here fairly soon, we'll see there. But 
Um, it, it's it is generally speaking, he's going to have to progress um, this this off season here um, in terms of that potential uh, floor spacing viability. But I, I think it's it's nice to see him. I think at times actually as a roller too. I think that's I think he actually has very good instincts there. Um, kind of has like good feel out of the mid posts as well, uh, but not much of a playmaking presence at all. And um, in, in as Mac touched on, he can be unplayable in certain lineup uh, construction. Um, just, but we'll have to see um, if he can progress um, in that shooting realm. But I, another positive is I think he does a nice job of getting to the line, kind of manufacturing um, free throws, and has does have um, a legitimate kind of mid-range, that kind of mid-range uh, um, shot creation, shot creation. stuff is, yeah. is is a nice thing to build on. But um, it's almost like early like early on Colin Sexton in a way that he's just not just hesitant firing off the catch. Um, obviously, Sexton cleared that up. But, yeah, that's the key with him. It definitely is. <laughs> Being able to shoot the three is going to be important for him. And, and like you mentioned, Dan, I think the fact that he does show, you know, legitimate kind of shot creation ability in the mid range is at least encouraging that, you know, he'll be able to expand his game as the years move on. But I, I do agree with your point as well, Mac, is it is a very, very loaded kind of rotation at that spot right now. Obviously, you know, looking at small forwards, uh, Jetty is playing there right now. Okoro is playing there right now. You know, we, we'll have to see what ha- becomes of Windler but he's still in the mix. Tarian Prince is in the mix. You have Kevin Love, Larry Nance, Dean Wade, who, you know, all need minutes right now, especially with the way that, you know, Dean has been playing. I think he's firmly planted himself in the rotation for the time being. So it it is going to be a challenge for Lamar to, you know, secure minutes, especially at this point. Um, But we'll we'll see as time moves on what the future of a guy like Tarian is, uh, what the future of a guy like Kevin Love is, if they're able to move him. Same with, uh, Jetty, I think, kind of, you know, it's to be seen whether he'll be here for the remainder of his contract. So it'll be kind of a wait and see, but definitely a positive move to get him on a minimum contract for the next, you know, three seasons after this one. And if it doesn't work, they are, you know, able to cut ties with him and not take a cap hit. So really a, a very good move and a very good find from the start, you know, getting him right after the draft. I believe he was the first uh, undrafted free agent signing post-draft and he the Cavs just scooped him up. Uh, so really been a, a success story for this team. Lamar Stevens has been. Yeah, it's a, a feel-good story. It's a feel-good story. It definitely is. Uh, you know, a guy who was a, a great player at Penn State and has continued that success. He's got his grandma, you know, cheering him on and right. celebrating when he guards Kawhi. It's, it's just it's been fun to watch Lamar. Talking about two-way guys, though, we're going to talk about some of the less successful two-way guys. Um, we are going to today rank every single two-way player that the Cavaliers have had since two-ways have been introduced. I believe there are 14 of them. I don't think I missed any of them. Uh, I went through and double-checked just to confirm that I didn't miss any of them. If I did, I apologize. But, um, a lot of guys here, a lot of guys who (laughs) didn't see a lot of time, a couple success stories, but, uh, I'm just going to give it to you, Dan, to start. I think I want to go bottom to top here. Who is your worst two-way player in Cavalier history, Dan? Worst? Um, I got to go Tyler Cook. Uh, I I just don't really – 
he's, he's it was kind of an issue because he's kind of a not really a five, but not really a shooting four either. Uh, it was just just hard for me to see how he would have been able to be viable at all. That one just never really seemed pro- like. I'm not even going to say the word promising, but just seemed like a just continual two way carousel for him and it, to come in his career. That that one to me was just eh. Well, Tyler Cook played 11 games for the Cavs. Uh, three minutes per never really did get a firm spot in the rotation in his time. Uh, you know, had a couple games where he got extended minutes, and you know, I, I always thought of him as a strong re- a strong paint player. He is very strong. You know, compact. A good rebounder, but at the end of the day, can't really shoot the ball at all from any sort of distance, and is also kind of too small to play the five. Um, you know, you can see some small ball lineups at the five where he could be viable. Uh, we did just see him sign a, a multi-year deal in Detroit as well. Uh, he's been playing well there. Um, I, I will say I did not have Tyler Cook that low. I had him in the bottom half, but I had him kind of middle of the pack. Yeah, I definitely did not have him that low. Who is your last guy on the list, Mac? I have, by virtue of zero games played, Billy Preston. Um, It was really a tie with Levi Randolph as well. I mean, how do you... It's all speculation when you don't have any play time at all. It's you're, you're looking at the intent at the intangibles and the what ifs. So I, I have to go with, you know, the zero games played Billy Preston. I also had Billy Preston last. What a, what a waste. I mean, I, I won't say it's just a waste, but you someone don't get the guy any minutes at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I he, thought he looked good, honestly, in, in summer league and decently in preseason. I don't know. I, yeah, I thought he like, kind of got a raw deal. I mean, if well, Thon I mean, could actually get real minutes, I thought he could have. <laughs> I mean, looking at, you know, his, his time, obviously was a five-star recruit, you know, coming into college. Had some, I believe, off-the-court issues um, and just never really made it work. I'm not sure if there were off-the-court issues that came into play on his time on that two-way deal or not. But, yeah, someone who I was kind of excited for, it seemed like, you know, they may have gotten a really, really talented guy who might actually become something. Uh, I you know they signed him over the summer and I believe they waived him in December. So yeah, I definitely I, I did have Billy Preston as last on my list. Although Mac, I did not have Levi Randolph second to last. Um, simply because I don't know Levi Randolph. He obviously has never played in a game for the Cavs. Uh, was a very very short two way guy. Hardly even made it onto this list. I believe he signed a two way contract for like four days. Yeah. Yeah. Never got into a game and then was waived. Uh, but a guy who has been around the Cavs for a while, I guess, and that was why I gave him a little bit of credit by not putting him second to last. Um, you know, a guy who's always been solid in training camp for us, uh, you know, longtime charge guy and kind of a veteran there. So, I mean, <laughs> not not a, not a nice Cavalier resume by any means, but I didn't put him second to last. Uh, before we get into my second to last, though, Dan, who was yours? Um, that I have one in Parentes. Uh, I played it some games, like kind of like garbage kind of time in LeBron's last season. Uh, I, I just was just didn't seem like an NBA player, frankly. Um, I, I don't think he would have really factored into the Cavs even now. Um, just not really 
NBA athlete in terms of like lead guard. Um, just, just even when you watch him at UVA, um, is a I mean is a heavy player, but just not really like any differentiating kind of skill set for him to me. Yeah, uh, I had him low on my list. I'm surprised that Billy Preston is not in your bottom two, Dan. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's not like either of these guys did anything. Uh, but Tyler Cook and, and London Parantes. Is it is it Parantes or Parantes? I always pronounce it Parantes. I think it's I think it's Parentes. Parentes. Let's see, okay. let's see what Basketball Reference. That's exactly okay. what Basketball Reference has it as. Was that, was that what it was? Parentes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, well, okay. Max. Well, it, fair so. enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Max, did you have Levi as your number thirteen? I yeah, I did. I actually had London as my number twelve too. So okay. Well, just here, didn't I'll, seem I'll, like a uh, just he again. He would have been one of those guys who probably fought to even remain a two-way player. So I, I just didn't see NBA talent at all. Yeah, 14 games played with the Cavs, uh, about five minutes per game. Obviously played on the LeBron team, so only ever saw a garbage time. Didn't really get a real good look at him at any point. So I had him at number 11. Um, Levi Randolph at number 12. Stuck him at 13, Mr. Matt Mooney. Um, oh, God. <laughs> four games played, five minutes per. Uh, in theory, was supposed to be kind of a shooting combo guard. Um, but even in the time that we saw him play in preseason, I didn't really see one NBA-level skill in his time with Cleveland. Um, for a, a point guard or a pseudo-point guard combo guard, uh, didn't really have a good handle. Even like bringing the ball up the court, he kind of had to back it down sometimes. Uh, was was really 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 hesitant to shoot, and we saw him hit some off movement threes this this particular preseason. But overall, too small to really defend anybody. I just like I said, I, I give Levi Randolph the you know veteran leadership that he had at least in the in the preseason over what Matt Mooney gave to this team, and uh, I had London at eleven above both of them. Uh, we'll circle around to you, Mac. You. Who who were we at with you? You had Billy, uh, Levi, and then London. Yeah. So fourteen who was your Billy, thirteen Randolph, twelve uh, Prentice, and eleventh I did have Mooney. Okay, fair. Dan, who was your eleven? Yeah, that's where I had Mooney as well. You had Mooney there. Okay, so we have a. Uh, I I had honestly, admittedly, Billy Preston at ten. I, I thought. I, I really did see like NBA, plenty of NBA potential there. Um, that that was the reason for that. But obviously there, there wasn't sample size there. But yeah, Matt Mooney was just sorry to Matt Mooney, but just just dreadful. <laughs> I just yeah, like you said, in theory was a floor spacer. Like in the G League, actually has shown like pretty good playmaking sense, and but defensively just. Not there was just not much like from a rotator standpoint it was okay, but really just didn't have any length enough to really contest shots. And as you, as Justin said, just just a lack of handle. I guess is how I would put it. As a as a small guard, that is a problem. Yeah, uh, we'll circle we'll circle around back to you, Mac. Who is the next on your list? Actually, I had Marcus Bolton at number ten. Uh, just. 
not enough time spent on the court really for me to rank him accurately. And that, that's starting to be the case with a lot of these guys between numbers four through 10 for me. It was a little bit difficult to evaluate just based upon the time spent on the court. I think he had between 1920 and 2021 seasons, only seven appearances. Um, under five minutes a game. So you're talking about preseason, you know, at, at six foot 10, I believe they had him listed. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe he could provide a little bit of depth, uh, depth at that, uh, that forward or even center position, but it, it's just so stacked right now. He, he had no chance to see the court. So I had no choice but to put him at number 10. I also had Marcus at number 10. Uh, okay, so this is another debate that we have had multiple times on this pod. I, I think it's uh, I think it's it's Marquise. I think it's Marquise. Uh, we, I was just gonna get into this. Okay, so I have seen right, Marquise. Yeah. I've oh, always thought it was Marquise. It, no, I've it's heard Mar- Marquez. It's, it's and Mar- I've also heard Marquise. It's what Marquise do you call on Basketball Reference says Marquise. John Michael says Marquise. What do, what have you always called Mr. Bolden, Mac? Always Marcus, but now, now I'm checking out Basketball Reference, and it does Marquise. Like, Marquise is always what I call him. I feel like that well, makes sense. That's but- what the – when I listen to the Charge broadcast, like, on their TV games that I've seen, like, here and there, like, they say Marquise, so – I I don't know. I guess I guess John Michael was on it. Maybe he's the one that put in basketball reference that pronunciation. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. But um I also had Marquise Bolden at number 10 and it kind of hurt me to put him there. Uh, you mentioned, you know, seven games over the two seasons. Um I really thought he had the makings of a serviceable big and, you know, in a backup role, in a limited role. And obviously it just didn't work out. Um, I, I believe he, he was sent to the G League bubble, and I think he dealt with some back issues while he was there. Um, Had so, a lot of issues and injury stuff in college. So, it, And it just, it, like I said, we he never really got an opportunity to get in the game. Uh, even with you know the injuries that the Cavaliers suffered early on in the season, uh, the center spot was not an area where they did lack. Obviously, Drummond was still at, the, at that point. Um, you know, you had... I blink for a second, but you, you had JaVale, you even you even had Thon at yeah. that point. So there was just never really a way for him to get on the court, and then obviously they moved on from him to get, you know, Broderick, which, you know, in hindsight seems like a fair move. But I also had Marcus Bolden at number ten. Dan, who was next on your list? Uh are you saying for ten or nine? Did you want to give your ten? Yeah, I, I basically just said Billy Preston for Billy Preston ten. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, again, I I thought he looked it should have had at least a chance, but well, just go ahead based and give on what nine. I saw uh, for nine, I had that's where I had Bolden. Um, just because I, I'm with you, I, I thought he could have had maybe been serviceable as like a a backup like spot minutes five. I thought. Rim protection-wise and, like, preseason action when he was able to get it, I thought looked decent in that way. I thought um, showed some viability as a roller and played vertical. I thought he looked fine. I thought he should add a little bit of run. Um, but clearly, um, that that wasn't the case. But that that's who I had it there, just based on some rolling skill set at least. Who is next on your list? I actually had Tyler Cook at number nine. Uh, theoretically, you know, what, 11 games for the Cavs last season? You know, if you're just strictly looking at the guy's size, you'd think, man, you know, in a small ball rotation, small ball lineup, 
He could play suit up three through five. Um, I just I didn't see enough out of his game to really rank him any higher than that. I'm not as low on him <laughs> as Dan, but uh, definitely think that uh, he he couldn't have broke through to get into the rotation. So you know he was he was routed, moved on. Yeah, the lack of handle and lack of shot, you know, was really really what limited him at that point. Like we said earlier, I, I do wish him best of luck in Detroit. He's played well oh, yeah. there. He's just kind of an energy small ball five, you know, can play. If, if you have a floor spacing five or a kind of a facilitating five, which Plumley sort of is at this point, uh, I, I think he can work well cutting off of that. Uh, I think that's been part of the reason that he's been able to find some success in Detroit. But uh, yeah, I also had Tyler at number nine. Um, this was kind of this middle chunk here was <laughs> a was little hard, bit difficult man. for me. Difficult. Uh, yeah, the, the, the chunk of Jalen Jones, Dang Adele, Tyler Cook, and Mark, M. Bolden, I won't say his name because I don't want to say it wrong, <laughs> um, was was difficult for me to to evaluate as far as ranking. But uh, at number eight, I did have Dang Adele. Played 19 games for the Cavaliers, three starts, uh, around 20, 10 minutes per game. Uh, an athletic kind of, you know, thinner wing. Never really found a shot in Cleveland. Um, I always liked Dang. I thought he was fine, you know, as far as just a guy who who gave his gave his all and hustled. Uh, but someone who was kind of advertised, at least at the time, as someone who would be able to bring a little bit of offense, just was never really able to do that. Um, a solid athlete, but not you know incredible, you know, foot speed to stay in front of guys on the perimeter. And again, that thin frame doesn't help either. Uh, so for that reason, I had Dang Adele at number eight. Dan, who did you have there? Yeah, I had Dang there too. Um, for all the reasons you stated, and just really like pencil thin, um, just uh, just got really overpowered. Uh, that was in kind of in that Cavs carousel um, back when they were like especially injury riddled. Um, when he, he he had what I, th- I think he had like four starts for the Cavs. Actually, he had. Yeah, three. 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 Yeah. Based on three? Yeah. yeah. Wow, that was those were the days, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Dang Dang Adele starting three, or I think he actually had like occasional ones at the four. Um, but yeah, just not really put in a position for success when he was here. I guess some semblance of rotational success, maybe. Um, and yeah, just the lack of floor spacing viability. He didn't really have. Like had some shake to his game. I thought like on ball could get to mid range stuff. I mean, there was a, like like flashes of shot creation. Was decently athletic, but yeah, just just not viable as against NBA talent. So me and Dan both have Dang Adele at number eight. Mac, are you the same? Did you have somebody else? Consensus, man. Dang Adele. Oh. Man. 19 games played, under 31% field goal percentage. I mean, you saw the shot creation ability there. He just, like you said, he couldn't find a shot. Um, you know, in today's game, you would think that he would be able to contribute a little bit more than that, but he just, you know, he wasn't really able to. That 18-19 season was brutal. And oh, for that him, was the worst. <laughs> for him to make three starts that season says a lot. So, you know, I I, I agree with you all. The good old days. But uh, we'll, we'll go with you, Mac, at number seven. Who did you have? I had John Holland there uh, at number seven. And Holland, man, 
there's not too much that I can say about Holland, to be honest with you guys. Like you were alluding to, uh, for me at least, numbers four through ten were pretty difficult for me to to get through just because of the that nobody's nobody's separating themselves from anybody else. Uh, Holland appeared in 25 games for the Cavs, you know, 17, 18 season LeBron's last year. So, you know, he wasn't really going to get any run. And in the 18, 19 season before he was waived one game. So, you know, I, I couldn't put him any higher than that. I, he had size, you know, and, and for a team that is now struggling for, you know, for not depth, but for shooting at that position, you know, I, I would have hoped that he could have stuck around, but he he just wasn't able to. I, I he's a fringe NBA guy. I will say I had John Holland a little bit higher. Um, Dan, I'll let you go first with you who you had at seven. Yeah, I had Holland here as well. Um, I, I don't I don't know if he really was like really bad. I mean, there there was some viability at, at times it seemed like he had some flashes of games where he he was decent as like a catch and shoot guy um and i mean was has been like a good shooter in the g league um when his kind of like long tenure in that um but I, I just think in the 18 19 thing i mean he was then in an age 30 season i don't think they have i mean at that like lowest of low point really wanted to spend like G League eligibility on uh, like a 30 year old guy that was at the timeline. Yeah. That that's kind of how it was for me. Uh, like I said, I did have John Holland a little bit higher. Um, obviously, like you said, Danny was an older guy. Uh, I think he was just kind of brought in as emergency depth at the time. And I think he filled that role pretty well. Uh, again, not a guy who had like any real offensive like abilities, he showed flashes as, you know, a spot-up guy. Um, but overall, what I saw in him was just kind of a bigger wing who played really, 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 really hard when he was on the floor. He always gave a lot of energy, uh, which, again, from a guy who you're just kind of expecting to be your 15th guy who you just kind of have to play in spurts when, you know, either, you know, someone's in foul trouble or you're shorthanded on a night. Um, I was... Of the list of guys that we have here, I was actually pretty happy with, with what we got from John Holland, considering. Um, at number seven, I had Jalen Jones, a guy who played 16 games for the Cavs, uh, about 13 and a half minutes per game. Um, was advertised as kind of a shooter, was a decent outside shooter for the you know his limited stint here. I think he ended up shooting like 35% from three, uh, but really just couldn't do anything else. Um no real handle again, you know, if, for a, a wing, didn't really have any other way of scoring the ball. Uh, no real shot creation ability and, and just kind of struggled to guard on the other end as well. Um, again, just a guy who wasn't able to show enough outside of the shot to, you know, prove that he belonged to be on the floor. So that's why I had at number seven. Dan, who was your number six? Uh, that was Jalen Jones um, for the reasons stated. I, I thought... Yeah, I, I thought he was actually like he's a guy, frankly, that could have helped the Cavs a little bit this year in just like the spacing sense. Um, honestly, I, I thought his defense wasn't completely terrible. I mean, he had size. I think he was yeah six seven two twenty. Like he he had like shown glimpses of kind of two way 
viability. Um, but yeah, I, I, the lack of shot creation really stood out in that way. Mac, what did you have at number six? Actually, uh, this is probably going to uh, shock you guys a bit. I actually had Andrew Harrison as okay. my number six. Okay. Um, ten games spent with the Cavs. And, you know, he, he had a resume before he came. And I thought he kind of got a bit of a raw deal with Cleveland as, you know, he got picked up by New Orleans, I think, after he was waived. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I definitely think – I definitely thought at the time he could have been a little bit more productive had he gotten, a you know, a longer chance. He played 10 games with with Cleveland, about 14 and a half minutes per. Uh, again, did just kind of come in there to fill a, a short-term need. Uh, a guy with a, a solid handle and some nice playmaking instincts. Uh, no real scoring abilities. Again, not a guy who you know is a real threat from outside. Uh, smaller guard, not super athletic. You know, struggled to score around the rim as well. And obviously has problems on the defensive end. But I'm, I'm interested, Mac. Why would you? Why would we be surprised that you have? Uh, Andrew Harrison at number six, because I also have Andrew Harrison at number six. Uh, just because of the resume that he brought, uh, in terms of the production from these guys on this list, he was one of the guys who actually was able to make, you know, at least something of his time there, albeit 10 games. I thought he probably could have been ranked possibly a little bit higher, but my number, uh, when you get into that top six, it, it's really, it was really tough for me. So, Harrison, I think he probably could have been ranked higher, but he wasn't given enough time. And like you said, he was he was really there just to fill a need and then sent on his way. So I don't know. I, I'm interested to see where you guys had him ranked. Like I said, I had him at number six. Um, Dan, I guess with that, we can get into your number five. Um, five, I have Broderick. Uh, I, I think he's shown some... Um, intriguing flashes as kind of like a combo guard. Um, I, I think his playmaking instincts have been a positive when he's been out there. Um, and defensively, I think he's done a really nice job. Actually, he's shown like real ability to is like a rotating kind of like almost rim protector. Um, is has found a way to um, time up blocks on the weak side. I think that's really helped out the Cavs. Um, and does kind of provide some of those uh, better vision is like a six, five kind of big or type, like kind of at times lead guard, um, but has a ways to go in terms of, I guess against NBA talent track creation, but has shown some um, kind of floor spacing uh, capabilities. I, I think that's um, kind of like a Jack of all trades ish, I guess you could kind of say um, has showing that potential. Um, and it, it has looked really athletic, actually, with kind of a few big finishes at the rim. I think the athleticism shows, you know, with those finishes at the rim. And, and like you had said, uh, sneaky good shot blocker as well. Uh, at the point in time that this was recorded, 14 games with the Cavs did have a start. Uh, the only active two-way player on this list. And uh, I, I, I did have Broderick Thomas at number five as well. I think his his final spot is kind of to be determined. Uh, if he fizzles out, he could kind of drop into that kind of Jalen Jones, dang Adele, Tyler Cook range for me. Maybe not as slow as Tyler Cook, but into that kind of mid-range of guys who just kind of never worked out. Uh, at this point in time, I have been encouraged with what I've seen, and I don't think he'll drop at that point. Um, he could he could rise. He could. I, 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 we'll get to who I have at number four in a minute, 
But I definitely do think that he could crack the top three um, if it ends up working out. Um, and even if, if, if he's not a long-term Cleveland guy, I think he definitely has an opportunity to move up on this list for me, uh, depending on what we see from him moving forward. Matt, who'd you have at number five? I had Jones, Jalen Jones at number five for the reasons you guys listed. I can't really add anything else to that. Do you want to get into your number four then? Sure. Yeah. At number four, I actually had uh, Jaron Blossom game just because of the fact that he was a long member of the Cavaliers during that 2019 season. 27 games, uh, 4.2 points, 3.6 rebounds. I liked what I saw out of him. Um, he has some size on him, and he really, right now, if you're asking, I think that he could probably fit nicely into this rotation that we have, or at least uh, as a two-way guy at this point in time. Hard for him to crack the rotation if he was here, but I, I liked what I saw from him in his time, in his very short time here. Yeah, no, I think the, just the number of games played does really help Duran's case. Uh, you know, did get four starts as well. Was, you know, a guy who got 16 minutes per game, a really good athlete. Uh, get, like another guy who never really developed, you know, offensively. The, the shot was pretty non-existent. But, yeah, you can kind of see the mold for him to kind of be a switchy, athletic, bigger type of wing that's just a good defender. Um, I did not I, – I, I have him a little bit higher as well. Uh, I guess I'll just get into my number four guy. I did have John Holland at number four, again, for the reasons I had stated previously. I think, you know, he was never really brought in as a development project. He kind of just was brought in to be an emergency guy. Um, And I think he filled his role. He was never in the long-term plan. So I do think that John Holland deserves to be at the number four spot. Um, Dan, who'd you have at number four? Uh, That's where I had Andrew Harrison. I I thought – um, I, I thought his playmaking really was uh, – I, I thought that was a key positive when he was in there um, in spurts. But um, it kind of, as, as Mac touched on, didn't really – just seemed to have a kind of a raw deal. Um, and that was the beginning of um, when Colin Sexton was first really getting going there. Um, so that probably played into it. And the problem with Harrison does have – combo guard abilities ish, but just the lack of perimeter shot at all. Um, and yeah, like you said, kind of, uh, finishing a, like kind of issues at the rim that really didn't bode well. And for a guy that is six, six, that, that kind of was odd. Yeah. Um, like I said, as far as just like standout skills, like as far like as people defense, on this list, actually though, like, he, he's a he's a, a quick defender again. I think just the size hurts him a little bit, but his passing ability like definitely stands out as like a real plus. Like he that's something that you know a lot of the guys on this list are just kind of raw athletes or whatnot. Like he was actually a, like a decent player. He just the size and the you know other shortcomings kind of hurt. What do you him. mean about the size? Because he has size. But he, does he have size? I thought he was he's six, what, six. How, how big. Harris, yeah, Harris, Harris, six, 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 five or something. Am I thinking like of someone he's, else? He's got combo guard like almost ideal size. I was actually. thinking he was like six three and like maybe oh, I'm no. thinking of someone else. No, hold on. Harrison is. I may be completely off on that. Six, I apologize. Six. No, yeah, he's six six. Well, yeah, six, take six. out everything I've said about his size. Then he's got. Um, 
He had he definitely had size. I think he was kind of an average athlete, though. Uh, yeah, that's fair. yeah, almost uh, below average even. And... We'll take that. I feel <laughs> I'm embarrassed now. Um, sorry, right. Andrew Harrison, for misprofiling you. But either way, I think just you know the the, the lack of I I never really was high on him as a defender. Uh, again, I think kind of a pesky guy, but maybe it is just lack of athleticism that kind of that hindered him. But um. Where are we at now? I had. I think we're at number was that three. Your number, we're at number, that was your number we're three. At number that was three your now. Was that your my, number three, Dan? Or? My number four was Harrison. Okay. Uh, why don't you give your number three? Um. Okay. Mine was number three was or is Lamar Stevens. Um. For we've kind of hit on it. Um. Has shown. I I really like what he's brought defensively. I think that's. Um, of all the players in this list, I think he's been the best in that regard. Um, pretty clearly, uh, has shown real viability, um, to, to guard, frankly, two through four, I think, um, just really sturdy, just solid, um, just kind of like a blue collar, roll your sleeves up type guy. Um, and just is just a really, really good athlete. And honestly, he's, he's looked more fluid than I, I thought he looked at Penn State, he plates like against fours and um, like Big Ten fours that were like sturdy, kind of like back to basket guys. Often, um, I, I think his fluidity has actually kind of stood out. But yes, the the lack of another one with like the lack of perimeter shooting viability it, in certain lineups just can't just can't be on the floor. Like you don't really want him on there with honestly like like Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, also. Has kind of fouled um, when he's gotten more run a, a decent amount. I'm interested in having having Lamar Stevens at three. Uh, before we, well, we'll jump back over to you in a second here, Dan. Uh, Matt, who'd you have at three? I actually had Roger Thomas at number three. Um, part upside, man, he could move higher than that. Uh, and based on part of his shot creation and perimeter shooting. I, I like the effort he shows on defense. I think he was a, a savvy pickup for Cleveland. And if he does, you know, get actual run on the court in meaningful minutes, I think he could definitely shoot up this list because to me of the guys outside of Dean Wade, I think he has the highest potential well, on I this think, list. I think we all know who is number one on everyone's list. Uh, we will get to that in a minute. I had Jerron Blossom game at number three, uh, like I said, for, for reasons I had stated. But, Dan, you had Lamar Stevens at number three. I'm interested. I, I haven't been keeping up with your list. Who'd you have at number two? I had Blossom game at two. Um, I, I I really – Mac really touched on it well. Um, I, I really liked what he provided in, in that run. Um, I, I'm with him. I think he actually could get run on this team right now. Um, just like a really, really good like athlete, uh, laterally and um, just really explosive. Um, occasionally, I think he he would occasionally have like putback dunks here and there. Um, just really explosive. Uh, I, I thought his defensive um, off ball feel was outstanding. Um, really, I, I mean, he was he did have good size. I think he was like six eight two twenty five in that realm. Uh, or range, whatever, but even played bigger than that. I thought his rebounding instincts were great. Um, not not much of a perimeter shot, but was was a good driver. I thought um, really had like de- like looked like a great athlete, even against NBA athletes, from what I saw. 
No, that, that was definitely the one thing that he had was his athleticism. And with that, you know, he had the size and defensive versatility. Um, really good transition player, too. Like, mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Like, always made the, the right play. Well, I guess with that, Mac, uh, do you have Lamar Stevens at number two? I do. Um, I can't put him any higher than that, obviously. So, we know who number one is. But We uh, all know who number one is. <laughs> uh, Lamar Stevens, man, as all the points we've already hit on already – if he can develop a perimeter game, and I, I do like what I've seen from him in the in the mid range, but if he can develop a perimeter game, I think he becomes an absolute play that you have to have on the court every single game. At this point in time, like I said before, until he can develop that, finding minutes for him is going to be very difficult, especially with the team returning to full strength. You know, I kind of think of when I see Lamar Stevens, this is kind of an odd segue, but look at how like how he's been playing lately, not when he signed that stupid deal like back when there was that ridiculous offseason. Um, he reminds me some of like like projecting onward. I kind of see like a like solo hill comparison to him. Just that's a guy. Not a bad one. Like that's, that's kind of that's kind of who I look at is a guy at least like I mean, he's not really like a shooter per se, but can at but least can. hit some. Like if he's open, he you can't just like leave him in the corner. That's kind of the guy I look at that is positionally versatile, um, really tough, and I, I just feel like that's kind of who I look at is maybe like a future comp in a way. I think physically, I do like that comp. Um, Solomon Hill, we don't see it a ton, but you know, can has you know shown the tendency to kind of attack the rim a little bit too. That's something that obviously Lamar yeah. does very well. Uh, I, I do like that comp, and I think that that is kind of yeah. Ign- ignoring the the giant deal that he got, um, Solomon Hill is a, a fine player. Like he's an NBA wing who you know is a versatile defender. I think that is a good comp. Um, I did have also Lamar Stevens at number two. Uh, I think I, I had to put him above Blossom Game just because obviously, you know, looking at you know his his Cleveland tenure, uh, he was able to secure a multi year deal. I think that alone put him in a tier up up top with Dean Wade. Um, but yeah, I, I think obviously I, I really do like Jerron Blossom Game too. It's kind of surprising that he never really got another opportunity. Um, but and, and you know maybe I, I don't I have not kept up with Jerron Blossom Game. I don't know where he's playing now. But uh, you know, that's a choice that some guys make. You know, if they're making good money overseas, maybe he's happy there. But um, Dean Wade, I think we all have at number one. Obvious success story for this team. Uh, signed him to a full deal in the offseason. We were kind of, you know, wondering how that would play out for him. And I think at this point he's shown that, you know, he's a firm rotation piece for this team. Um Mac, what in, what went into your uh, <laughs> your decision making process and putting Dean Wade number one? The Cavs record when he starts, man, uh, just he's good luck. And although you you don't look at the guy and think, man, he should be a uh, he, he should be one of the best athletes on the floor, but I, I love the the rebounding that he gives the Cavs, and it, he doesn't even seem like he's that good of a rebounder, at least that he should be, but. He's got really good sense around the rim. He can hit the three ball, and the Cavs have a they have a a good run when he's out there on the court. Now, for me, what I'm thinking, you know, heading into this off season, depending upon whatever they do with Kevin Love, is going to uh, factor heavily into where Wade falls 
in regards to his role within the organization because there's just so many guys that deserve minutes at this point in time. But Wade, I couldn't put anybody else above him just based upon how well the Cavs play when he's on the court. Dan, what is it, was it an easy decision for you as well to put Dan, or for not Dan, but Dean on top? Oh, yeah. No no doubt about it. No fans or butts there. I, I really like his, like what he's been able to show as a pick and pop big is, has been great. Um, that's been a really promising development with him. Um, but, I mean, you saw it in, in Canton last season, um, but translating that here um, and the Cavs have needed it has been big. I actually like what he's provided in, in some jumbo lineups, like at the three. I think his um, just how he's been able to actually contain drivers uh, has, has really stood out to me. So did you like that starting lineup the other night then? I, I'm assuming with him at the three. Uh, I do. I think he can handle I, it. Like, I wouldn't do it normally. What, yeah, but, in spurt. Yeah, like here and there, yeah, I'm more than fine with that. Yeah, I think that th- that's something I just didn't see coming with him. I kind of saw him no, as a, a pure four. Like, we had talked about it a little bit before the season, Dan. You know, obviously a guy who has dealt with some, some foot issues in the past. We were kind of concerned if he would, you know, be able to even play, you know, minutes at the five. He's obviously proven he can do that. And, you know, we had talked a lot about Larry as the guy who would kind of play, you know, small forward and some big lineups. I think Dean's just really, really shown the ability to guard on the perimeter this year, you know, at a really respectable level. And that allows him to do this. Um, obviously not, you know, like a super tight handle or anything and not a terrible one. Um, it's reliable enough to at least get the ball up the floor at times. Yeah. Um, obviously the shot and just the fearlessness to fire away has been present, especially as of late. Um, I think, and, and we had talked about it, you know, Dan, again, over the off season, I think I was always a little bit higher on Dean coming into the season, but I don't think either of us could have seen, you know, this coming for him, uh, at the level that we've seen it. So I'm, I'm not even sure it, it is. It's great. Cause I'm not sure that Dean would have even gotten the chance had we not had so many injury issues and yeah. I, I'm, I'm, you never want to say you hope injury on anybody, but I am glad that we did definitely get to see him develop the way that he has. I was confident that he could contribute, but I definitely didn't see this coming. I, uh, part of the thing that I love the most about his game is the ability and the confidence to take that three point shot because the same for the same reasons that we look at a guy like Dylan Wheeler and think that he should be, you know, not so not so fearful to take that shot. I'm glad that he is as confident as he is because this team definitely needs that ability at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Never, never happy, you know, when somebody's injured, but happy with the opportunities that can be presented, you know, from those situations and Dean wait for him to be out of this rotation. Can I just ask Justin real quick, Mac, one question. Uh, Mac, on a, I think it was the last podcast we did. Uh, one of our other contributors, Amadou, so was on it this past one. Um, we kind of touched on how we might think like Dean could actually get like a like a maybe like a decent like sizable deal at some point. Do you see that possibility? Like we kind of compared him to um, like when Maxi Klebaga got is like a four year, thirty five million dollar deal. Could you see that potentially for Dean Wade? Yeah, I definitely could. Now, I think with him, it's going to be more so for potential for what you could see him uh, to develop even further. 
But based upon his production at this point in the season, I definitely think he could warrant that type of consideration. I'm sure the Cavs will get some offer sheets for him. So uh, it would behoove them to lock him up to a team-friendly deal sooner or later. Well, they have locked up Dean Wade. He is under contract for the next two seasons. And uh, at that point, I think, I believe he's under contract for next season at a non-guarantee. And then at that point, he has a team option. Uh, at that point, yeah. the Cavaliers could either accept that team option and then he would enter unrestricted free agency after that offseason. Uh, they also could, in theory, decline that team option and make him a restricted free agent and then give him a longer-term deal. Yeah, that's so, kind of uh, the, I guess, kind of what I was projecting. But I think right. that yeah. that's the route that they're going to end up taking. Uh, I really do hope that he ends up you know, remaining a part of the team, but so much of this depends upon the futures of uh, love and others and whoever the Cavs draft. So, but to answer your question, Dan, yeah, I definitely could see him receiving an offer in that realm. That does kind of seem like it's what it's been the market for guys of his caliber in the past. I I definitely think that again, assuming he continues that level of play, that is definitely in the cards for him. Um, Well, that was a good exercise. Um, I bet nobody really expected to hear the name dang Adele today. Um, (laughs) Maybe Billy Zach Preston, Weiss. maybe Zach Weiss, maybe. I mean, he's that man does some research. Uh, we'll, he we'll does. Leave it at that. He definitely but does. Jalen Jones, uh, quite a day. Before we get out of here, Mac, I just kind of want to get your opinion on this last little stretch of the season. Obviously, we had talked about you know, does it benefit the Cavs to make you know the playoffs or the play in at this point, uh, and that can be debated. But just looking at the Cavaliers' next three games, obviously they aren't that far out of the ten spot right now. They play the Chicago Bulls tonight uh, without Zach Levine. Their next game is against the Pistons. Uh, and then they play the Chicago Bulls again. The Bulls obviously being the team, uh, the Cavaliers kind of need to leapfrog to get into that play-in spot. Um, put aside what you want to happen, I guess. And personally, you know, you always want the team to win. Um, but what do you think is going to happen over this next three-game stretch when they have some very, very, very winnable games? To be honest with you, taking my fandom aside, I think they split with Chicago and they beat Detroit. So I think they go 2-1 over that stretch. You just don't know which Cleveland team you're going to get. And with the team reacclimating so many players trying to, and JB trying to hammer out rotations, um, we could see more of the same that we saw uh, you know, against Golden State. And some of these guys kind of looking lost you know, playing together. So I'm, I'm going to give them a 2-1 record. Um, definitely could make up some ground and I'm hoping they do, but yeah, I got to be realistic about it. I think that's fair. Um, I also had them at two on one. Again, I think, you know, these are all games that they very well can win uh, and probably should win, but that doesn't always mean they will. And obviously, you know, we look at teams like Detroit and Chicago as being inconsistent teams. Obviously the Cavaliers are one of those themselves. Uh, Dan, where are you at with these next three games? Yeah, I'm with you guys as well. Um, for all the reasons stated, um, inconsistencies, getting guys back in there. Um, also, I, th- I think with uh, Larry Nance, like the, it's it's going to take I think it's going to take a couple some time. more games for him to really get back. Um, and the Cavs really do need like his all around play still. I think it still matters um, game to game. And yeah, I, I think. I don't think the Detroit game, I don't think that's going to be honestly like a pushover. I mean, the Pistons do play really hard um, to their credit and they're 
They got Killian Hayes back, who looked really good the other night. I don't even know. I don't know if you guys saw this one pass he threw. Um, yes, was I like did. A, that was a ridiculous pass. Like it was like a like a he got a ton of English on it. It was almost like a from like the opposite free throw line to CD Bay, um, who to me could be like a dark horse um, rookie year candidate actually. Um, but yeah, I, I think they've been able to like. Sekou Dumoya um, has looked a, looked better the last few games. Has kind of reasserted himself a little bit. Um, Saban Lee uh, is is has made a name for himself too. Um, they they play really hard. I don't think that's going to be like a complete washout game. Um, but and then yeah, this the second time we play the Chicago, I just think they'll f- find a way um, in that one and. Thaddeus Young just has it out for the Cavs. It seems like whenever they play, <laughs> I don't know what he him, did, what, what the Cavs <laughs> did to this man, but he he just like bludgeons us, and specifically Kevin Love just gets like big boyed by him whenever they play. the The physical mobile four is not the ideal matchup for Kevin Love. He just he just completely smothers his airspace too. Like he just gets nowhere on the floor he wants to with him. All right, well. Tip-off is about 50 minutes away. Obviously, we will see what happens tonight. Um, like I said, these are all winnable games, but we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, the Cavaliers probably drop one of them. But anyway, we will get out of here. Thank you, Dan, as always, for joining. Thank you, Mac, for coming on, making your first appearance here. It was a fun time having you uh, rank two-way players with us. First um, of May. First of many, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Uh, for allowing um, me to come on, Justin. I, I'll tell you, that exercise definitely uh, was a difficult one to do, but uh, it was it was fun. Before we get out of here, Mac, I just want to give you a quick opportunity to talk about, uh, obviously, you're also a contributor at King James Gospel, uh, as many of our guests are. Uh, you know, kind of plug what you've been writing lately and uh, plug your podcast, too, as well. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity, Justin. Uh, yeah, so I, I just recently joined King James Gospel. Uh, check out a few of my articles. I did a you know a pretty uh pretty short one on whether or not the Cavaliers should resign Matthew Dellavedova. Um, make sure to check that out. Uh, why I think Darius Garland may be Cleveland's best player as opposed to Colin Sexton. Uh, just a lot of opinionated stuff, guys. So. You know, make sure to check me out on there. Also, I actually do my own podcast called It's Cavalier. It's more of a fan perspective. And uh, (laughs) you'll hear me rant on there sometimes, kind of get a different perspective as opposed to a more professional based, uh, you know, podcast. But it's all in good fun. So I just want to say thanks again, Justin, for allowing me the opportunity to come on. you know, hopefully I'll make more appearances in the future. But the exercise for ranking the two-way players, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, I never would have thought of a million years. Some of these names I haven't uh, looked at in so long, I forget they even play for the Cavs at certain points. You're not the well, only we, will, one. <laughs> we will link uh, your podcast in the description if anyone wants to check it out uh, in the show notes. Uh, before we get out of here, Dan, what have you been writing for King James Gospel? Um, uh, just kind of highlighting, uh, just kind of guys, um, the same cast of characters, um, kind of just touching on how I think it'll take Larry Nance a little bit to really be back. Um, and recently kind of hit on how Torian Prince has been feeling it lately. Um, things like that. Um, 
and just kind of how I think certain guys will kind of finish out the season, um, like Isaac Okoro, um, guys like that. Well, please go read everything at King James Gospel. A lot of good Cavaliers work over there. Um, one last time, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Matt, for coming on. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. Never miss a future episode. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, leave a rating, leave a review. It helps out the show a ton. And uh, with that, we will see you next time. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point of total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.